Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Goldschmidt rips it down the left field line. Fair into the corner. One run is in. Here comes another. Goldschmidt drives in two. Three nothing St. Louis. Swing and a miss and a strikeout for Kim. And that's eight tonight through five. In the air out to deep left. It's well hit. At the wall. It is off the top of the wall. O'Neill will score. Kisner to second. And a 2-0 St. Louis lead. 3-1 pitch. Barnhart, ground ball. Goldie will take it himself, and the Cardinals hold on. They win it 5-2, and a weekend sweep against Cincinnati. Welcome into the Monday edition of the Danny Mac Show. Some of the highlights from over the weekend. Tanner put together. Great job. That is BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. I don't know about you, it's nice to uh, come in the studios either after a win or certainly after a weekend sweep. It makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, it's not too shabby when you've got a rotation that's working out well, an outfield that is producing offensively, a top four in the lineup that makes a hell of a lot of sense. I mean, it's... It's all truly rainbows and butterflies today, Dan. Yeah, How you Card- doing, man? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Cardinals got some good starting pitching over the weekend, and that is a trend that is taking them to tighter games and wins. And so KK on Friday, five and two-thirds. Gantt Saturday, six innings, three hits. A couple of walks, struck out five, uh, gave up one earned run. Then Flaherty today, se- or yesterday, seven innings, three hits, one earned, struck out six. So all told over the weekend, the starters... 18 and two-thirds, 16 hits, 19 strikeouts, a total of two runs. So you wonder why you win? It begins with pitching. It does. It, it starts with the starters. You hear it all the time. But then, you know, we've been saying, hey, we're waiting for the starting pitching to come around. And you saw in the first, you know, 15 games, they had what? One quality start. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, roles are defined in the bullpen. You can get guys rest. Guys come in sharper. It just the trickle down effect if you get a good start is massive and that's what the cardinals got absolutely this is their identity and we've talked about it all season so far and it has finally started to show itself dan the Cardinals starters through five straight games of five innings or more with one earned run or less the last time that the cardinals did that was may of 2017 been four years since the last time that they have done this it was waka martinez wayno lynn and leak the last time that they did it that is according to tom orf who does some great stuff with cardinals history this was what you needed to see was the offense perfect over the weekend no but it was good enough and this is the team that we were expecting to see coming into the year yeah and speaking of offense i love seeing dylan carlson in the two spot now we'll see if this carries over i'm not expecting him every series to get seven hits but you know he's getting pitched very very tough and i i don't know if you heard the stat i looked up yesterday on the broadcast it's something like 36 percent of the pitches he's seen have been in the zone okay wow. so and and a lot of it has been off speed and so i started to compare it to other players of like who's around that mark it was like mike trout 
Otani. Wow. Some of the best hitters in the game. That's how tough he's been pitched. So I do have to wonder if if he's in the second spot and you've got Arenado or Goldie behind him, is he going to see more pitches to hit? And the other thing, I, I mentioned this, I was texting with him after the game, and he said, you know, one of the things I'm doing is trying to keep this as simple as I can. And I think it's clearly evident in his base hits yesterday, just taking the ball up the middle. He's not pulling off. He's keeping it simple. And he's going to get pitches to hit. And if he does, now you're talking about another spot in the lineup that lengthens the lineup. Tommy Edmond has been sensational at the top. Now you have Carlson. You're going to have a good years probably out of Goldie and Arenado. Number five, well, you're looking at Molina. I don't know if it's sustainable if and when he comes back in the lineup, but he's been off to a great start. Tyler O'Neill is going to walk into some home runs. He's going to have his fair share of strikeouts, but he's going to hit home runs. He's going to hit for power. Now you're talking about a lengthy lineup, which is what they envisioned from the get-go. Dylan Carlson, just the word that I would use to describe him right now at the plate, Dan, is comfortable. Very like calm. He, just, he yes. just looks comfortable in a way that is super rare for any player, but certainly for a player of his age at 22 years old. Some of the hits that are dropping for him, I mean, they're bloop singles, but... It, according to John Mosaylock, right, the, the comments that we heard about him uh, or from him rather about Matt Carpenter over the weekend, you hit him where they ain't. And yeah. that's what he's doing consistently right now. It's beautiful to watch. It really is. I felt like he had some of these coming going back to last year mm-hmm. when he first came up, he was hitting rockets and had nothing to show for it. And it was right at guys. Well, it evens out. You get that. I, I find this interesting on the text line. Um, if O'Neill got 600 at bats, currently he would be projected to hit 175, 50 home runs, 240 strikeouts, and maybe 50 walks. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, Tyler O'Neill is not going to be a 330 hitter. It ain't no. going to happen. Probably not 300. But if he gave me 250 with 30 bombs, I'd take that all day. Sign me up. It's interesting because he's like. I used the comp previously of Joey Gallo. I don't even think it really fits with him because he doesn't walk the way Joey Gallo does. Joey Gallo is going to take a lot of walks. He's going to strike out a ton. Tyler O'Neill is the walks don't really come with him as often as you'd like to see, but the power is very real. I mean, we saw that over the weekend. So I think he won a starting job at least for the next couple of weeks. What he did over the weekend was enough for me to let's see what this looks like over an extended stretch again. He's going to have his fair share of strikeouts, mm-hmm. and you know that going in. You know it. It's it's just part of the DNA of what he is. However, he's going to get streaky and hit you some home runs or hit for power, and that's what you bought into. That's what you signed up for, and you know that. He's going to give you pretty good defense, too, and that's another aspect of his game that does not get talked about. He's solid and Let's face it, the outfield defense has not been good. He's going to settle that thing down in left field. So run him out there. And I, I think it's not only about buying him the next two weeks. I think you run him out there every day, good or bad. Now, he's going to need some rest here or there. But you run him out there, and you know what you have. The reason I said two weeks just because it sounds like that's the timetable yeah. for Harrison Bader. And let's see what it looks like with Tyler O'Neill out there every day. At the very minimum, until Harrison Bader gets back. I would say 
continue to do so after that, but you can reassess at that point, right? If he strikes out in 65% of his at-bats between now and when Harrison Bader returns, okay, maybe we're having a different conversation. Maybe Justin Williams goes on a tear and he keeps himself into the lineup. We can kind of reassess these things as we go, but in the here and now, yeah, it's Tyler O'Neill in left field every day, and I think you're going to see Tommy Edmond return to second every day for the foreseeable future. And the main, uh, to me, the main thing that took place this weekend pitching for Mike Schild. Talked about the how, right? The controlling counts, being more efficient. Some things we talked about the last couple of days that come up when guys are able to go deeper in games. And yeah, I trust this group completely. And it's a talented group, believe in them unequivocally. And also recognize that, you know, start of the season, getting their getting their feet under them a little bit maybe. And um, also just, again, them being, having their game plan, executing their game plan, trusting their game plan, uh, adjusting if necessary, but most importantly, trusting their stuff and, and controlling the counts. And, recognizing that, you know what, wasn't doing as good a job as we needed to and, and uh, tighten that up, and here we are. Roller coaster, though, in the back end of games. Hicks and Reyes. Hicks, inning and a third, two hits, four earned, three walks. Don't like to see the walks. He threw 43 pitches over the weekend. Only 48% were strikes. Reyes, inning and two-thirds, one hit, four walks. So combined seven walks between those two. That ain't sustainable. And I, I don't think that's going to be the case this season. I think both guys will, will get locked in. You have one guy coming off of Tommy John. You got another one that's getting accustomed to being a closer. So you're going to have some wild times sometimes. It, it just happened to play out this weekend. It has been the issue for Alex Reyes basically his entire major league career for what it's worth. Now, some of that maybe was due to injury. We don't know because he wasn't very healthy for the majority of the time that he's been up in the big leagues. But he walks 16% of the batters that he sees. That's way too high, way too high. Anything above like 10% is probably getting up there a little bit, especially for a guy in those types of situations. You'd like to see him clean that up. That being said, opposing hitters bat 150 against him, so I'll take my chances. Absolutely. Um, we get a text from the 573. By the way, you can text in Air Comfort Service text line 65780. What was Bell mad about when he got kicked out? My assumption on this is that and he said later, he said, I have great respect for the Cardinals. He said, I have great respect for Jack Flaherty. Um, and I'm paraphrasing there. My So my guess was, and I said this on the broadcast yesterday, he was upset that both sides got warned. And I, I happen to agree with him. Why, why are the Reds getting warned when his guy just got hit with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball on the helmet? I don't, I don't agree with that. And the, the problem that you have, when you, when you decide to warn – it changes the dynamic of what pitchers can do. Some guys want to throw inside. It's part of the game. I think that's why they wanted to make sure they did that, though, right? Then give let it, them give hit some, if they hit somebody, then warn them. And I know this is what's done all the time. I don't agree with it. I think it's dumb. He, they should not be warned. And I would say that if it was on the other sure. side for the Cardinals. Why? To, His guy didn't do anything. I understand. But to de-escalate things from going where they don't need let to Let him go. go there. If they, if they escalate. Then both sides are warned. Yeah, but we know how that goes, right? Like if it escalates, no. then it, it it bleeds into the next game, and these guys, these teams are going to meet what five more different series throughout the course of the season. It started with the situation with Nick Castellanos at home plate. I you think hope David that it Bell had every right to do it. Every right. No, you come out and you say, why am I getting warned? Why oh, is no, my sure? I got no issues with him going out there and arguing, but I do also understand where the umps were coming from there. No. I think it's wrong, I, and they do it every time. Why? This is baseball, man. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that it needs to escalate from there. I guess that would be my my simple uh, rebuttal would be like, if you can prevent it from going to another level, because that was clearly an accident. There was there was no intent there no, whatsoever there from Jack Flaherty. So, so we know it was an accident. Ball got away. I understand, but no, we, you do not. I, I think it's terrible that baseball does it all the time. No, don't I, warn the other side. And don't, matter of fact, don't have warnings, period. It was, un, he didn't intend to hit him. So we all know it. Yeah. So why are we, why are we warning people? Because. It's baseball, man. You have to pitch inside. Agreed. You have to establish the inside portion of the plate. Sometimes guys get hit. Let's grow up. This is big boy time, man. So I, I David Bell had every right to go crazy. I, 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 I don't think baseball has handled that stuff properly. I don't have any issue with David Bell being upset with it. I think it was perfectly well within his reason to go out there to argue it, to go nuts. I got no issues with that. I also think he was just sticking up for his player there. His player was clearly pretty upset about it. For sure he's it. doing that. So I got no so, issues whatsoever with I'm David not, Bell going out there. None. I, I, and my point is, though, is the warnings. So if we had a bean brawl going on, then yeah, let's, let's de-escalate it. But this was a ball that got away. Come on, man. This is this is big boy time. This is Major League Baseball. I'm with you. Um, the thing that I would say in this particular case, because I'm with you in general, I think they use this too often. Between these two teams, given the history already this season, I didn't have an issue with care. it in that spot. That's fair. We we haven't seen guys getting hit. So you know, yeah, we had a we had a, a situation that Castellanos, you know, stands over Jake Woodford, and he got suspended two games, which is stupid too. Agreed. Big boy time, baby. Let's pitch inside. Let's go. These are grown men. Ball got away, and we're warning people. Come on, dumb, dumb. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Looking forward to this, the chance to visit with Derek Lilliquist. He was the Cardinals pitching coach for many, many years. He helped a lot of guys prior to that in the bullpen. He was also rehab coordinator down in Jupiter for the St. Louis Cardinals pitching coach of the Nationals as well. Hey, Derek, it's been a long time. How you doing? Good, Dan. Yes, it has been a long time. Where are you at? Are you down in Florida? Sunny South Florida. You got it. Uh, what are you doing these days? Are you still in baseball? What's going on? I am uh, I am golfing. I'm fishing. I'm raising a puppy. Really? You don't. Yep. We you sound gotta, like Danny Mac. Yeah, <laughs> you're living my dream right now, Derek. Uh, that's awesome. So, are you happy that you're out of the game right now? Uh, kind of, sorta, but yeah, yeah. With everything that's going on, which with uh, we're not really going to talk about today, but. Yeah, I got you. Uh, Derek Lilliquist is our guest and the former Cardinal pitching coach. Um, we got Wayno going on the mound tonight, and and I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, we see everything is about velocity, guys throwing hard, and Wayno is a pitcher. We know that. And he's, he's maybe topping out at 91-92. What's it like watching Derek, uh, from your perspective, Adam Wainwright, day in and day out now? Uh, it's incredible. It's just a testament to um, what he is as a competitor. I mean, uh, to go out there with uh, less than his best stuff and uh, going out there and effectively using all his pitches. And, um, of course, you know, him and him and Yachty are a, 
or a bond together that like like Chris and Yachty were as well. Dear- incredible. From your perspective, I mean, you see things from Wayno behind the scenes that a lot of our fans can't see. What is it like to watch Wayno not not when he's starting, but on the days when he's not throwing in front of a crowd? Oh, he's he's great. He's uh, uh, he can be a little bit of a sheriff at times, but for the most part, he's uh, he's always uh, keeping everybody uh, light on their feet and and uh, and helping guys out. He's essentially another pitching coach, to be honest, and. Uh, Hence uh, the old cardinal tradition of having all the starters watching a bullpen, um, extra sets of eyes. Just uh, everybody knows everybody so well that uh, everybody helps everybody. How much did you take into you know talking with Yachty throughout the game? Uh, I was always curious about that. And how much you guys would talk in game about what was happening with the starter that day? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean. His eyes are the most most valuable on what he's seeing. I mean, what the, in terms of the pitcher, whether he may be getting a little tired, he doesn't know if he can get him through another time through the lineup. Um, but there's circumstances that yeah, we need, we didn't we don't have so and so today. We need him to get one more inning. If he can get him through it, and he's like, okay. So yeah, I mean, it's it's the relationship has to be has to be thumb on thumb. Derek in St. Louis, everybody would agree that Yachty is a future Hall of Famer. When you are inside of that clubhouse and you get to be in those meetings or talking with Yachty, what are some of the things that you get to see that would also point to Yachty being a future Hall of Famer? What do you see that maybe the casual observer wouldn't? The amount of time he puts in for preparation for a new series, a game, going over... Uh, statistics on what hitters are doing at the moment as opposed to I mean we, we look at hitters and we know that, that Goldschmidt and Arenado are power guys and we know where their where their best swings are but in the last three days he may be having trouble with a certain pitch and and we really rely on exploiting that area and every day it's it's hours for him that he he sits in front of the computer and, and goes through his uh, routine of finding numbers that are going to work for us. Did you think that we're spending too much time at the ballpark, Derek? I mean, as a pitching coach, and if you're on a coaching staff, and I, I would say this all the time, we'd be on the road, and I'd see you guys leaving for the ballpark at 10 o'clock. And then COVID hit, and you couldn't do that, and we found out how to do maybe work more efficiently away from the ballpark. Do you think we spend too much time at the ballpark? Um, I think at times, yes, and I think there's times when, it, when it's needed. I mean, um, you're always constantly wanting to have your guys, at least on the pitching side, always wanting your guys in the best position to succeed. And if they're um, possibly struggling in some area, that, then you want to you identify it and create a plan to fix it. And not, I mean, you have 12, 13 guys for the course of, of leaving spring training, but the real reality is you're going to use 21, 24 pitchers over the course of the year. So it's, it's a, it's a never ending process. Derek, you pitched in the nineties when we saw guys regularly throwing 200 plus innings. And I'm not sure we're going to see many, if any go that far this year, do you feel like we've gone too far in the other direction in terms of whether it be the limits on the innings or facing a guy the third time through the order? Where do you stand on where we are today with, with kind of holding these starters back a little bit? 
Well, everybody's trying to figure out the new baseball. I mean, I, I'm, of course, was a 90s guy in, in late 80s. And, yeah, you, you're, you're, your starters, you need the 200 innings out of them. Carpenter and 11, I don't know, what is it, 240, 250? Right. Um, I mean, you you want to have those guys because it, it really helps your bullpen guys. If you think you can have enough depth in the bullpen, you really, bring guys up and bring guys down all the time to pick up the innings that the starter isn't getting. Well, I hope those guys are, are good enough as the guys that you left camp with. You also had the chance to watch Max Scherzer uh, up close being the pitching coach of the, of the Nationals. Can you give us a little, pull back the curtain a little bit about this guy and how he competes and, and his stuff and what it was like coaching him? Oh, he's he's, he's a, a top-tier competitor like Wayno and Carpenter. Um, uh, tremendous work ethic, uh, puts in his time as well and with, uh, with the numbers and videos. and um, He knows what he wants to do, and he has a, a program that's tried and true, and he sticks to it. And he, he, uh, he, he fell in love with his process, and the results really show. How do you think he would fit in St. Louis in, in a hypothetical world where the Cardinals were <laughs> able to acquire him? How do you think he would fit here in St. Louis? Uh, uh, as a teammate, it would be great. Um, I, I just haven't been able to watch his stuff as of late. So um, my time there with him and stuff was great. Um, and, yes, he's a fierce competitor. And when he's pitching, you feel like you have a, a great, great chance of winning that day. In terms of, of watching the game, Derek, do you think we're going down a bad road? I mean, you, I know you're a baseball fan. You you went to Georgia. I mean, you, you've been a guy that's – baseball has been your life. Are we going down a bad road with just the max velocity and not seeing a, a guy like Wayno going tonight who's pitching instead of throwing? Yeah, it's uh, it's a balancing act, isn't it? I mean, we got guys getting it up there pretty good and, and – uh, um, the old days of uh, sinking it and keeping the ball on the ground, yeah, it's, it's a good way to go about it, but um, it seems like we want home runs and strikeouts. Derek, final question that I had for you. It is the 10-year anniversary of the 2011 World Series team, and I wanted to ask you, you know, we've anybody that we have on from that team, we try to ask about their favorite memories, one of the moments that stood out for them. What do you remember? What comes to your mind's eye as you think back to that 2011, not just the World Series, but that run in the postseason in particular? Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. Uh, my initial thought is sitting in the Houston clubhouse watching the Braves um, get beat so that we got in is number one. Number two is... Uh, uh, Carpenter's game in Philly, uh, I don't, he shut them out and that's uh, eliminated them. And that seemed, that was when, uh, Ryan Howard towards Achilles was the last out. And that essentially, essentially made that organization obsolete for a number of years was, it was, uh, my second thought. Hey, uh, Lily, great to, to catch up with you. Thanks for doing this. I, I wish you were still in the game. Maybe we get you back here in St. Louis. We got the 10 year reunion coming up, so hopefully you'll be back in town at Bush Stadium. But uh, good luck on fishing, too. So thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. No problem, Dan. Thank you, Brandon. You got it. That's uh, Derek Lilliquist. And uh, how about that, Brandon? That BK. 
Brandon Kylie. Yeah. That's my name. Man. I know, but it just everybody's BK. <laughs> um, it caught me off guard. I will say this. That gentleman is living your dream life. Yes, he is. He, yes, he him is. Him and Rick Ankeel. Like, if you could get in a little bit, like That's 20% it. of what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, oh, yeah. you would live a very happy life. They made a lot more money than I have. So, you know, that's that's part of it, too. Where do you think you'll go whenever you retire? Like 50 years down the road when Danny Mac is no longer working I'll be 17 dead. hours a day. I'll be dead. Okay. Well, you know what okay. I mean. Uh, retirement? When there is a time when Danny Florida. Mac is not doing this anymore. Oh, yeah. Florida. South Florida? Yeah. What are you going to be spending more time doing, fishing or golfing? Hmm. Because I think Fishing. It, it's like 10 hours a day of one of the two of those <laughs> for you. Fishing, for sure. I, I would do fishing. What's your go-to? Uh, I love bass fishing, man. It's Is there so a lot much... of bass fishing down in South Florida? You can do a little bass okay. fishing down there. Yeah, you can get there. Uh, you got fresh water. You can do, I'll, I'll hook up with Ank and go over to the Bahamas and do some. Oh, God. <laughs> what a rough life it is that he lives. How long is that boat ride with you and Ank going over uh, to the Bahamas? It's not that long. Really? I mean, you wouldn't, yeah, it's, it's you know, hour and a half, something like that. Yeah. What a terrible life he lives. <laughs> you know, a lot of people didn't realize this is, do you remember when they were crushed with the weather? Uh, yeah. You know, they the, the whole island just got slammed. Uh, Rick was using his boat to bring over all kinds of, um, you know, safety goods, uh, canned goods, all that stuff to help out people. Did it with no fanfare and did it like every day and hour after hour was doing that. Really cool. Yeah, he's a good man. Uh, Let's let's also open up the text line here. And and this is interesting. 314, you also negative during this interview. What? We were negative? No, I think basically what they're getting at is we, we asked him, is this going in the wrong direction? Is that like, I got to that. remember that's baseball today. And especially for guys that were around the game in the nineties, the eighties, like people that were, that are lifers in this sport, the vast majority of them, you will, I I'm sure you guys as listeners can hear this as well. When we talk with them, there is a different tone about the game today compared to the game that they played. That doesn't mean that they hate the game, but they think a lot of them, I, I can't say all, a lot of them would tend to lean towards things are headed in a direction that I would prefer it not. And that is because of the strikeouts in large part it is because of the lack of action. It is because of how long these games seem to take. So it's a lot of that. It's the lack of innings from starting pitchers. The trends in the game today are going in a direction that people that were involved 20, 30 years ago would prefer it not. Well, I'd say this. So that's where that's coming from. I said this on the air on on Saturday. I don't know if you were watching the game, but Wade Miley was going, and he and Gant were in a great rhythm. And I I said, you know what? We should take this video of Wade Miley and send it to Major League Baseball and say, this is how it's supposed to be done. Now, he works exceptionally fast. Don't get me wrong. KK the other day? KK works fast, too. And that, to me, is what we need. You know, now, these guys aren't, you know, throwing 98. I get it. And they're not going deep into counts. They're throwing they're right around the plate. They're throwing a lot of strikes. But the pace at which they they throw is what I'm talking about. I mean, that that needs to be done. There needs to be a speed up in the game. And I, I firmly believe that. And I, I don't talk about it on the games. I don't talk about the pace of play because then I'm actually, you know, what I'm saying then to, uh, I'll talk about the quick pace of play, the negative side, the slow pace of play, because then I'm saying to people, what just turn this off. I don't want you to do that. And I love the game. This is how the game is played. However, I do believe for the entertainment aspect of the game, 
it needs to be sped up. Pitchers need to get going. Guys need to stay in the box and let's play. Let's go. You got, you got, for most guys, you got three options. Figure it out and throw the ball. And it's all of that. It's all of what you just said, and it's the lack of action as well. Like it's, For sure. It's, it's slow pitchers that work and move slowly with everything. And then it's ball one, ball two, strike. We're going to foul this one off. We're going to foul that one off. Now we're into a full count. It's like it, it, it just it takes a long time to get through things nowadays. And if guys would just throw strikes, that would also alleviate some of these issues. No doubt. I, I also think, though, if we're going to have the ball one, ball two, strike, foul ball, foul ball, you still can do it faster. Yes, absolutely. You, you know, and they've, they've had the pitch clock in the Arizona Fall League. And it's worked, and it didn't really bother pitchers. That was the thing. They were like, well, I wonder if this is going to bother the rhythm of a pitcher. And they, they got used to it very quickly. They adjusted. So that, to me, is something that needs to happen. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Right field. Rojas is there, Madison Bumgarner, a complete game shutout, no hits for the Braves in seven, and the Diamondbacks sweep the doubleheader. Oh, no, it's a no-hitter. This is the get-off-my-lawn edition on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Mac shouts at clouds for an hour. That's what we're calling the show from here. Uh, Seven innings and no hits. Is it a no-hitter? Those are the rules you're given. That's the game. I'm saying no hitter. We, I remember, Dan, um, the complete game for Adam Wainwright last year. In right. the post-game interview, they were asking him about it, and he was like, does that count as a complete game? So anybody know that that count? And somebody shouted, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you got it. He's like, oh, sweet. I got a complete game yes. today. If it counts as a complete game, if every other statistic from that game is counted as if we played a full game, including the fact that one team wins and the other team loses, then it is a no hitter. And I'm with you. I know that it is two innings fewer than what you would typically anticipate for a full no hitter. I don't care. It should count in the record books the same way that it would any other game. Now, I would have to venture a guest stand because my guy Tanner is the oldest young person that I have ever met in my life. If you're going to say how, so Tanner's 21, I'd say if I had to put an age on him, I'd go 62. Oh, that seems a little young to me. I was thinking like 78. Really? Like he's seen some stuff, Dan. He's definitely seen some stuff. He lived through the war. That's for sure. Which one? (laughs) All of them. (laughs) The War of 1812. (laughs) He's been around for them all. Tanner, do you believe... That it should be a true no-hitter. Should it qualify? I think it should qualify, but seven-inning doubleheader sucks. He doesn't like it. Why don't don't you like the seven-inning doubleheader? You're taking out six outs of a ball game. I understand why they're doing it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm all for player safety, but you're taking six six outs of a ball game. And in a case like this where it doesn't count, Mad Bum was dealing, and Mad Bum hasn't been dealing all season. So he gets in his groove, has a chance for a no-hitter, it doesn't count because we're going to cut it off at seven innings. Yeah. Just extend it two innings. Let's give him the no-hitter. Wait, Come on, let's play Essentially, nine. that's what we're doing. Two more. Hey, these are the yeah. rules. Baseball said these are the rules. So I'm going with it. I'm saying, okay, 
It's a it's a no hitter. Tell Seven me the innings. rules of the game and I will play. That's what and I'm saying. And then I'll find a way to win. That's that's the life motto for a lot of people. And Madison Baumgartner found out what the rules were. He played within those rules. He did not allow a hit. I'll be damned. That should be a no hitter in my mind. I'm with you. And BK, that doesn't mean I have to like said rules. Although I do. I do like the seven <laughs> inning games, by the way. I love them. I actually think, you know, the seven inning doubleheader, and we had a ton of them last year. So we got a firsthand look at what that was going to be like in St. Louis. We're exhibit A. Um, I heard from so many fans. And I'd be curious about fans that are are listening to the show. They text in. They they said they were more locked in on the seven inning games than the nine inning games because it felt like, you know, every inning was crucial. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. first inning gave up a run. Uh-oh, now how, what are you going to do in the bullpen? What what kind of change are you going to make? Are you going to pinch hit for this guy? Are you going to do this, that, and the other? It just there was more strategy they felt. They were locked in. They're like, I, I couldn't turn the TV with a seven-inning doubleheader. I, I, I'm kind of with you. Everything gets condensed. And right. so it is like the same amount of intrigue but packed into a shorter spurt of time. It punches you in the face a little bit more as a baseball game. And so I, I really enjoy them. And Dan, I actually have found myself also enjoying the runner on second and extra innings. I know it's gimmicky. I would not want it in the playoffs. I would never want that. But for regular season games, I'm kind of here for it. I watched that Dodgers Padres game last night. I was like, Man, this is a lot of fun. You're telling yeah. me Fernando Tatis Jr. is just, he's going to start on second, and then there's no outs. We're going to see where this goes from here. Yeah, I'm here for that. That sounds exciting to me. I could watch that. I think general managers and president of baseball operations are all about it, too, because you go, especially now, coming off a truncated season, and you're worried about guys throwing so much. You know, you think about when you have, like the the Cardinals a couple of years ago, we were in Arizona, I think it went, went 19 innings or whatever it was. And immediately they're on the phone saying, okay, that guy's down. That guy's down. We got to call up this guy because we're, we're going to have to cover innings tomorrow. We're not sure how we're going to get through the game. And, you know, Lord knows if we're going to go to extra innings again. How are we going to cover these innings? So I think for for baseball, if you're running an organization, you're all about it. You may not like it. You may think it's gimmicky. But at the end of the day, you're saying, this is letting me set my roster at least. I'm not getting killed on this thing. And, like, it, it's... It's making it more like every other sport in America, the way that we play, right? Like football, you get into overtime, it's different rules. It used to be in the NFL, it was sudden death. The first team that scores wins the football game. Well, that doesn't take place at any other point in the game. That's gimmicky. But you have to eventually finish the game, right? Uh, In college football, you end up having, after the second overtime, to go for two. In hockey, we play three-on-three as opposed to five-on-five. Well, that's certainly a gimmick. And then, if we can't figure out a winner after that, well, now we're going to a shootout. Well, that doesn't take place at any other point in the game either. All of these sports have to have some sort of a quote-unquote gimmick to be able to end the game. Because eventually, we got to be able to crown a winner in some of these things, man. Especially um, in the regular season. By the way, I have something interesting that you may find uh, to your liking. Maybe not. Buster only tweeted out, Randy Johnson was among the most dominant pitchers of all time, once holding the career mark of 10.61 strikeouts per nine. Pretty darn good. There are currently 12 pitchers averaging oh at least 11.88 strikeouts per nine innings this year. That's wow. incredible. So as it pertains to extra innings and guys that are coming in out of bullpens that are all throwing 100, I mean, it's no it's no surprise. I mean, like when a guy hits 97, I'm like, okay, hit 97, big deal. 
when I first started doing games, guy hit 97. Like he hit 97 on the gun. Alex Reyes is now just ho hum. Like yes. oh, he's pumping it in at 98. Tennis Cabrera the other day hitting 97 from yeah. the left side with a nasty, nasty breaking ball. And we're like, yeah, that that's the game today. So when you go into extra innings, it's tough to score against these guys sometimes if they're on. And so that's another reason why you put a guy at second base. Dan, have you seen what Jacob DeGrom has done so far this year? He's unbelievable. It's insane. Absolutely insane. So far on the season, Jacob DeGrom has a total of three walks. He has also struck out so far this year. Let me find the actual numbers. That way I'm not giving you it wrong. 50% of his hitters that he's yeah, going up against. It's 50%. Literally 50%, Dan. He was in it's the... insanity. He's either the sixth or the seventh the other day and hitting 100. My God. I mean, that's a starting pitcher doing that with, you know, he's probably 60 pitches in, 70 pitches in, and he's hitting 100 still. The guy is awesome. And and by the way, the run support he gets is terrible. Always. I so don't understand it. When you look at and you say, okay, well, who should win the Cy Young Award? You go, well, I mean, this guy, this is years ago. You'd say, well, this guy was a 20-game winner. Doesn't matter anymore because you look at Jacob DeGrom. He doesn't win games personally. His team may win it, but he doesn't get the win. Do you know what his career high is for games won in a single season? Jacob DeGrom. I say 12. Tanner, what do you think? Career high for games won by Jacob DeGrom. He's been in the big leagues now for eight seasons. This is his eighth year, so seven 12. seasons so far. Just the way you say this, I almost want to say single digits, and but I'll go double, I'll go he 10. He gets no run support. It's 15. He was 15 and oh. 10, and that was his best season in the big leagues. What was his ERA? His ERA that season, this is amazing, was 3-5. It was one of his worst years in the big leagues. Right. The next year, he had a 1.7 ERA in 32 starts wow. and won 10 games. He was 10 and 9. That is not indicative of the type of pitcher that he was. I think he has more runs batted in than he has earned runs this year. Is that true? Yeah. That's I think amazing. I saw that the other day. Yes. He's allowed one hit. earned run so far this year. It's incredible. One. That's There's your Cy Young Award winner if he stays healthy. Well, him and Burns are certainly battling for it Absolutely. Right this is the Danny Mac Show with BK. The podcast powered by I Promise. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. It is 10.53 here in St. Louis, and you have some news on the blues. Yeah, so this is coming from Craig Berube just a moment ago. According to Jeremy Rutherford, Pareko and Dunn both expected to be mm. out tonight, and Berube adds, quote, I don't know how long they will be out for. So they apparently got imaging yesterday. That was the status update on Saturday night. They did not have a skate yesterday, so we are finding out this morning. Pareko Dunn, both going to be out today. I would imagine the fact that he says, I don't know how long they're going to be out for. It's, it's going to be more than one game if I'm reading between the lines there. You can uh, listen to the game tonight. Blues Avalanche pregame at 5. Cardinals will be on uh, Bally Sports. Also, the Blues on Bally Sports uh, Midwest Plus. All right, what do you have coming up on your show? Yeah, looking forward to it, Dan. We've got Katie Wu, Cardinals insider for The Athletic. She's going to be joining us weekly starting today. So we'll talk with Katie Wu coming up today. Don't do it. Larry Boa coming up at noon as well. Former Phillies player, do coach, and manager. What? Ric Flair. We don't need that right now. We don't I, need that. I wasn't going to I get it. enough of that over the weekend, Dan. Tanner is going to the ballpark on Wednesday, and he Hopefully. told he he's told, gonna be leading the crowd. He told me he said he's at home at times watching the games, going woo. He's been doing now. You can do it in person. I'm excited. Literally, the moment are you part my, of the fan club, the Woo fan club? Yeah. Woo. 
the moment I step in the ballpark, like once I get through the metal detectors, you the first one is coming long. out. You are waiting that long. Uh, yeah, You're going to be doing it the to the helper as you get through the door. You're going to be like, hey, uh, what does Ric Flair say? And then you're just going to give it to him. Woo! Just a big one. Yeah. yeah. I know you. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Do you like the woos? Kind of. No, See, you, you don't. Do. No. I knew he would. Absolutely not. I knew Tanner I, would. I don't like it when it starts in like the third, but like if it's the seventh inning and it's a blowout, okay, let's let the woos fly. I really? don't understand how anybody can enjoy that. It, it is the most irredeemably awful thing that you could have during a baseball don't game. Don't be a buzzkill. Okay, yeah, I'm the buzzkill. Mr. Don't play seven innings because it starts on storms on my lawn. Get out of here. Enough of you. Are you a part of the fan club? The Woo fan club? Yes. Sure. I won't be president, but I'll join. Will you uh, get a shirt made for it? If they had shirts, oh, would you do sure. it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I thought I knew this There's guy. always a good shirt to be made. How many beers are you going to have at the ballpark on Wednesday? Oh, at least right. 12. As long as my dad's paying, as many as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great Tanner, Tanner Hendrickson. 16 different hot dogs and 14 different uh, assortments of beers. Dog? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Hopefully it doesn't rain. Oh, Dan, funny. what's your go-to ballpark dog? Uh, just a regular dog. Nothing on it? Oh, I put, well, every once in a while I put a little ketchup. I, and usually I just like the, the dog. Okay. McCarver would send people out to go get the hot dogs. He was big on a ballpark hot dog. He's like, I got to tell you, we got to have hot dogs. What's his go-to? Is he, is he a relish guy? He puts a ton of mustard on his. Okay. Yeah. I miss that guy. Got to call him today, see how he's doing. I love Tim McCarver. I do, he's my too. my favorite. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.